Time now to talk football, Super Bowl, and Hall of Fame with Jason Cole, veteran NFL reporter. He's also a Hall of Fame voter, and he joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Jason, good morning. Good morning. What's going on? Well, I'm in Gainesville, so Tom Petty is good. Got home, so it's a... It's nice, nice, nice bumper music. It's a win for you. You're in Gainesville. We're in Mm -hmm. Utah, and it's snowing. All right, so let's get right to it. (laughs) Everybody in Utah, despite the cold winter weather, is thinking about Andy Reid and getting this warm feeling. He finally got the championship. You're a Hall of Fame voter. I'm of the opinion, I'm not a Hall of Fame voter, I'm of the opinion, Uh though, that now he is a slam dunk, first ballot Hall of Famer. Am I wrong? Slam dunk? No, I wouldn't say that. I mean, Mike Holmgren has done more in his career probably and has not made it to the Hall of Fame yet. Um, we don't have Don Coriel in, and he was, you know, a big impact. Tom Flores had two, and, you know, first minority coach. Um, there's no, I don't think it's a slam dunk no-brainer for for Andy Reid. You know, it's not a first ballot for Andy Reid. I mean, do I think that he will get in someday? Yes. Do I think it'll be easier if the Hall of Fame finally does the right thing and separates out coaches into their own category rather than having to compete with players? Yeah. But if they continue to have them compete with players, um, it's hard for all coaches to get in into the Hall of Fame right away. I think Belichick is the only guy who you say that's a first ballot Hall of Fame coach, no question about it, at least among the guys who are out there and not in the Hall of Fame yet. So I guess the thing I think is I hear Don Coriel, and trust me, I grew up in San Diego going to San Diego State game, so I'm all aboard the Don Mm -hmm. Coriel train, but never went to a Super Bowl as a head coach, won 100 games in the pros and 100 in the college, Andy Reid sitting on 200 wins in a Super Bowl, Tom Flores 105 wins and 90 losses, and the Super Bowls, uh, two Super Bowl titles, probably feeling that it was kind of built for him when he stepped in there, and he's got 100 less wins than Andy. I thought the fact that Andy took two teams that were down, built them up, won the 222 games, and has the Super Bowl, that would do it. But no. It's a nice resume. It's a really nice resume. But if you're asking me if he's a no-doubt first ballot Hall of Famer, I say no. If you're asking me if he... um, going to get in the Hall of Fame? I would say probably. Okay. And again, it's going to depend on the structure of how they do things. Because I'm one of these people who, look, we have a hard time getting coaches through, right? Um, and we've been arguing about Coriel and Flores and Holmgren and then Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy got in this year. Somehow Bill Cower jumped him. Now, the fact that Cower's in helps Andy Reid's case. But even Cowers not a, wasn't a first ballot guy. It took it took a while for him to get through the process. So I just I when you put it in the, when you frame it the way you framed it, I'm going to disagree. If you're asking, does he have a chance to make the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I would, I totally agree with that. So as far as the Super Bowl win, I thought the key point there was going to the hurry up offense. The Niners' pass rush had given Kansas City a lot of problems, and Kansas City was finally able to uh, throw the deep ball. And was it just a simple matter of the hurry-up and a combination of the fourth quarter and having to play real fast took just enough out of the pass rush that Mahomes was able to throw the ball downfield? 
I think that helps a, a bit. I thought that there were opportunities earlier in the game. There were three or four times. I mean, Troy Aikman was talking about it every single time Richard Sherman got singled up, right? Because Troy Aikman was basically telling the entire world who was watching this game, Richard Sherman can't cover deep anymore, <laughs> which we all knew if you watch the Devontae Adams play, uh, you, know, in, in, you know, in the Green Bay-San Francisco game, you know, in the, in the NFC Championship game. I mean, I just was surprised that they never flexed out of what, you know, or, uh, you know, audible out of the plays that they were in to take shots at Sherman more often or set up some more trips for trips formations to say, look, we're going to put Watkins, Hardman, and Hill over there. And whichever one um, Richard Sherman picks, that dude's running the deep route, right? Um, like that's what I was expecting to see happen a lot more in this game. A lot of them pushing it downfield. They waited for their opportunity in the fourth quarter. They finally got it on the play to Watkins, which was a which was a critical play. Um, I, I do think you know the pass rush was really good good for San Francisco. I think that bottom line is the mobility of Mahomes made it possible to do some of the things that they did. Because if you look at the entire season, how San Francisco played against mobile quarterbacks, and that's the two games against Seattle, the two games against Arizona, the game against Baltimore, and the game when against the Rams, the second game against the Rams, when Sean McVay had Jared Goff either roll out or bootleg 20 times, those offenses were productive every single time. They were putting up 20 to 30 points in all of those games. And I think this is a matter of, um, Mahomes is the kryptonite for what the 49ers do up front. Jason Cole, veteran NFL reporter and Hall of Fame voter, join us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. So the uh, play calling uh, with Kyle Shanahan in the fourth quarter is going to get uh, – is gonna everyone's gonna be going over that with a magnifying glass. I think throw and it, once it was twenty to seventeen, throwing on second and third down raised some eyebrows because the run game was was so productive. What did you think of that? Uh, I don't know. They were in a second and nine situation. I, that's a that's a throwing down. And he, look, my problem with the fourth quarter uh, is not Kyle Shanahan. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is the one who failed in the fourth quarter in hitting some big plays. Um, now, if you want to second-guess Kyle Shanahan, the end of the first half is the problem, where they didn't try and set up a score. And I know the Kittles play was there. Kittles did. That was offensive pass interference, right? But he should have also called the timeout earlier to give himself some more time so that it didn't just come down to that one play that hurt them. So that one I'll second-guess Kyle Shanahan about. But in the fourth quarter, you're talking about the second and nine play to Samuel, Garoppolo misses that play. The third down play where it's a third and six situation where they throw a born underneath, Kittles is wide open in the middle of the field. you got to see that play if you're, if you're Garoppolo. And then the third and ten play, what, what are you supposed to dial up on third and ten? You're running a draw play? <laughs> Is that what people are thinking about? You know, second and nine, you know, third and ten. You know, running in those situations is not, you know, those are not high percentages. Third and six, not a high percentage rundown, okay? That's where your quarterback has to step up and hit those plays. He had Emmanuel Sanders open on that third and ten deep one. He overthrew him by eight yards? I mean, 
Fairs had no shot on that on that play. Uh, Kittles was wide open in the middle of the field, and Garoppolo simply missed him and threw to a guy who was not, you know, one yard short of the first down. He was three or four yards short of the first down, and was lucky to make it within three yards of the first down. That's a bad play by Garoppolo. The miss to Samuel, bad play by Garoppolo. If you're a great quarterback, you have to hit two out of those three. You can't go over three in that. And so, yeah, people want to blame Kyle Shanahan. That's the easy thing to do. But Kyle Shanahan doesn't have the ball in his hands making decisions and making plays. That's why this game is still 80% about the players and 20% about the coaching. This was a player failure in the fourth quarter by the quarterback. And not to say that they should get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. That's not what I'm trying to, trying to indicate here. He's still had a magnificent season, and I, there's a lot of promise there for a guy who still hasn't played that much in his career. But yesterday was not a good day for him in the fourth quarter. What did you think of the Niner defense getting the second interception and the whole team going to the end zone and celebrating with 12 minutes left? On the one hand, it's kind of what everybody does these days, and it was a big play. And on the other hand, Mahomes and the Chiefs still had 12 minutes in a 10-point game, and they've been the comeback kids in the playoffs. I, 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 I'm sorry. My senses are dulled to celebration criticism. <laughs> um, most yeah, look, it was a big play in a big game, right? You come up with that interception, yeah, you, yeah, you you celebrate and have a good time with it. Um, and again, I don't think that had anything to do with what happened the rest of the way. Like, I don't think that fired up Patrick Mahomes, um, even if he may. I don't know if he said he did or didn't, okay? But you celebrate in those moments. The bigger problem the rest of the way in that game was the failure of – the 49ers to move the ball and string together some first downs. And again, the failure of Jimmy Garoppolo to make critical plays. That's, that's where this game comes down to. Not, you know, some sort of silly kind of, you know, trite, you know, how many, how many different versions of the soccer celebration are we going to have before people go, can we kind of come up with something new? Jason Cole, veteran NFL reporter, Hall of Fame voter, joining us. Of course, uh, in between all the action, there's the Tom Brady Hulu commercial, and a lot of people were trying to read into the social media the day before. So now you've seen all of that, and he, of course, did a pregame interview, and then he does a halftime interview on the radio, if you listen on the national radio broadcast. So everything you've heard, everything you've seen, you got any idea what's about to happen with Brady and uh, the rest of his career? It's going to be a bidding war between the Patriots and the Chargers. I'll say this. The Chargers people I've talked to, they don't – when you say Tom Brady to them, it's not like, oh, that's not going to happen. We're not doing that. <laughs> and they're not playing their hand, but they're also not denying it, right? So I think the Chargers are all in on this, bidding this up, because they need to sell tickets. They need to create some excitement there in Los Angeles to open that new stadium. And really – They've got better weapons to show to Tom Brady than the Patriots do. And they also have the one thing that could appeal to Tom Brady, which is a chance to win a Super Bowl by yourself without having to give credit to Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. And I know people are like, oh, he hasn't, he's not that kind of guy. Look, McDaniels and Belichick and the, and Brady, that marriage among those guys, and throw Kraft in there, that, that marriage that they've made last for, for 20 years has been a spectacular thing. No question about it, okay? Um, that's been phenomenal. But like any great partnership, whether it's the Beatles or whether it's 
you know, great, great, you know, great coaches and, and players together. People get tired of each other after a while. And I think they're tired of each other. And I think they're tired of sharing credit. And sometimes people want a new challenge. And I don't blame Brady if he wants a new challenge. Now, I know he's been heard a lot of advice from people like Joe Montana and Joe Namath. You know, stick it out and, and finish in, in New England. And I wouldn't blame him if he does that. But if I was him, after all this time, after hearing Josh McDaniels say, oh, I've got, I've got a quarterback agnostic system. Really? <laughs> That's really it, Josh? That's what you think? Okay. That you can win with any quarterback? Okay. Let's see you do that. Um, let's see how that goes for you, Josh. Because I'm going to go over here to the Chargers. I'll throw to Mike Williams and Hunter Henry and hand the ball off to Eckler or um, you know Melvin Gordon if he sticks around. And I'll work with those guys, and I'll see if I can get it done over there. How ironic that a franchise that once uh, Eli Manning said, yeah, I'm not, I'm not playing there. My dad told me you're not good enough. And he goes to New York and wins two Super Bowls at the expense of Tom Brady. And now Brady might end up there with that organization. That doesn't scare him off a little bit? Well, I mean, look, the Chargers aren't a great organization, you know, in terms of how they have handled things over, you know, you, you can make that criticism of They haven't won. Um, but I think that they do have a good coach, and I think that they do have a good collection of talent around the quarterback right now. Uh, certainly, I would take the collection of talent that the Chargers have right now and probably have for the next two, three, four years and I would say that that is better than what the Patriots have and probably better than what the Patriots can put together around him. Um, to go with all the other things that we're talking about and the chance to, you know, here's the other thing that a lot of people think about. Certainly LeBron thought about this, which is you go to Los Angeles and you're in the media capital of the world as you transition out of your professional sports career and get ready to do something else. I don't think that Tom Brady necessarily has to do that to go to L.A., but I, he's probably not against it either. He's probably thinking, you know, okay, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? What are the next ventures that I have? And I'm going to bet that Giselle probably thinks the same thing, too, as she comes out of you know, her career as a, as a model and says, okay, what am I going to do with the rest of my career? So, I mean, these are people who are high-achieving people, and they – they want to continue. They're, it's not like they're just going to quit and we're never going to see them again. They, they want to have a presence. What does the NFL think of uh, Tua Tagovailoa and his hip? I don't know yet I, because I don't know what the doctors – look, if I'm, a, if I'm an NFL team and I haven't heard anybody who's seen the results of that hip um, and that surgery, the question I have is uh, he looked good this week when he was walking around. You know, he's talking about – um, that he's going to be ready for the combine. All those things are great, right? But I want to know, okay, how long is this hip going to stay together and how much more punishment can it take? It's not as simple as, okay, he just looks fine and I'll take him. There's more to it than that. Um, so there's a lot of doctor reports, and I want to have my own guys examine this guy, and I want to see what happens when we look at him at the combine, and he goes through the medicals at the combine. There's a lot to do with Tag Viola before you make a final decision. But so far, so good. Uh, and, and look, I hope the kid's great. I, you know, we need quarterbacks. I hope him and the Burrow kid, 
you know, because we're we're about to step out of a great generation of quarterbacks. You know, talk about we talked about Brady and Brees is going to be quitting soon. Manning's already out. Eli has quit. You know, Roethlisberger's not far behind. Um, Rogers is getting older. You know, we got there's a lot of quarterbacks we got to replace in this league. So we need some really great ones. So I hope that Tagovailoa is one of them. But before I invest a top five draft pick, which you know is going to be probably either Detroit or or the Dolphins that are probably going to draft this kid. Before I invest that, I got a lot of questions about about the condition of this kid's body. And and he's had other injuries too. You know, the ankle injuries, this hip thing is not the only thing that he's ever had happen to him. Jason, we appreciate a few minutes as always. Thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you again. No problem. Take care. Thanks. Jason Cole, veteran NFL reporter and Hall of Fame voter joining us. 